RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Brendan O'Neill is Spiked Chief Political Editor, and he joins us on Reality Check Radio from the UK. Brendan, welcome to our radio station, and thanks for making a bit of time for us. My pleasure. Okay. Um, I know you um, I had a piece um, regarding um, Posey Parker. Uh, do we call her Posey Parker? I, I, I see that the media has relentlessly used uh, that name, but of course we all know that she is Kelly J. Keen Minchel. But um, yeah. you wrote a piece, uh, obviously, uh, regarding the Australian leg of her visit. Um, maybe you want to talk about what you saw there from where you are. And then that obviously leading up to her visit to New Zealand. So let's start with Australia and the Nazis. Was that a surprise? Mm. Um, well, Nazis are notoriously opportunistic. So the fact that a bunch of them went down to attach themselves to her demonstration was not particularly surprising. You know, they wanted to get some publicity. And one of the Australian Jewish societies made that point. They said, look, we're not going to condemn Posey Parker because these uh, far-right idiots are just attaching themselves to the demonstration for a bit of publicity. I think that's right. And but it was the I wrote about this in the Australian newspaper. The double standards of the left are just staggering because every single anti-Israel demonstration of the past few years, every single one has attracted anti-Semites. I've seen them with my own eyes. They hold up placards calling Jews Nazis and Christ killers and so on. But the left never says that that, uh, that demeans all pro-Palestine demonstrations. They never say that that calls into question the whole point of being anti-Israel. But as, a, as soon as a few hard right twats or idiots, whatever we're allowed to say, as soon as they turn up to Posey Parker's demo, they say that calls into question the whole gender critical movement. Double standards, hypocrisy, and they're just trying to demean her. So I thought that part of the Australian wing of her tour was so unconvincing. She is not far right. She is a very normal woman from a working class background who believes that men are men and women are women. Yeah, this use of the term far right, I, I hear everywhere and it seems to describe anyone people might be because of a history but anyone that has any sort of a degree or two to the right of center it's kind of getting a bit boring isn't it oh it's getting very boring and i, I think it's also getting dangerous now because you know no. everyone i don't like is hitler that's what the meme says and that is how how some on the woke left behave, they behave as if everyone who they disagree with is is uh, six degrees or less uh, related to the Nazis. So it's getting boring. I think it's also becoming a bit of a problem. So I think one of the reasons, and uh, I think we'll come on to this, to the question of what happened to Posey Parker in New Zealand, but one of the reasons there was such a volatile atmosphere there, I think, is because for the preceding two weeks in the kind of the, the drumbeat of what was being said about her in Australia and around the world was that she was far right. If you looked on Twitter or if you looked on Instagram or if you looked in some of the press, even comments that were being made by mainstream politicians, there was this growing idea over the past couple of weeks that this horrible Nazi-like menace, a Nazi Barbie, as some of the misogynists online called her, had come to uh, Australia and New Zealand and she was a real danger to people. So people whipped up frenzy around Posey Parker precisely by calling her far right. So by the time she arrived in Auckland, you've got this primed mob who thinks that 
Joseph Goebbels, a female version of Goebbels is turning up on their doorstep doorstep. And so they respond in this furious and violent way. So we're now in a situation, I think, where the branding of people on the right or conservatives or just gender critical women, the branding of those people as Nazis, it is is not only hollow and unconvincing and wrong, it's dangerous because it's it's setting them up for violent assault by so-called lefties who think it's fine to punch a Nazi, even if that Nazi is just a small mother and housewife from England who believes that men shouldn't go into women's spaces. We'll get into all of that in just a moment, but uh, you know you're right. Uh, there, it, there's been this sort of Nazi connection ginned up over the last uh, few weeks. If you look at Australia, New Zealand, and uh, I've heard that quoted many times, uh, just in the last few days leading up to her arrival, uh, by as you say, politicians, um, commentators, media. You pointed out where you can find what she really is. They clearly haven't done that work, or they've willfully not done that work because like you say this is a dangerous game isn't it it's a dangerous game it's a very dangerous game i think the this um relentless process of demonization is designed precisely to put certain people beyond the pale to make them ripe for censorship or even for punishment so um this weekend in the uk uh, posy parker's movement held a uh, a protest in hyde park uh, the, a let women speak gathering was held in Hyde Park. Posey Parker wasn't there because she's just returned to the country and I, I hope she's resting. But lots of her allies were there and they were surrounded by trans rights activists who not only were calling them Nazis, calling these women Nazis, but were also chanting, the only good Nazi is a dead Nazi, oh which is God. obviously a violent threat. And there were huge numbers of these trans activists, most of them blokes, some of them blokes in dresses, if I'm allowed to say that, but that's what they are. Mm. And they were screaming at these women, these very normal women, some most of them middle-aged and just concerned with protecting their rights and their spaces, they were screaming at these women, you're Nazis and the only good Nazi is a dead Nazi. So what you do through this process of demonizing the other side as not only someone you disagree with, right? We all disagree with people. We all have heated discussions. But when you say they're immoral, they're evil, they shouldn't be allowed to express themselves in the public sphere because their words could wound us and erase us and hurt us. When you build up that idea, you are actually paving the way for violent attack because you you encourage people to see someone like Posey Parker as so inflammatory and so disgusting and so destabilizing to uh, the, the public space, to the public fabric, that she must be stopped by any means necessary. So that demonization of people as far right has really crossed the line from just being irritating and stupid to being something that I think is paving the way for more and more forms of mob behavior and violent assault. And it's really important to challenge the misuse of those terms like far right and Nazi. The average person switching on to all this news are going to be wondering how how has it come about that people are behaving in this way? Uh, I, I'm sure you've been observing uh, this issue for quite a while, and you you described all sorts of horrible behavior just then, which in history has led to many people dying, let's say. What's gone wrong? Before we get to Posey in New Zealand, what are your thoughts on what's gone wrong with a certain 
part of our community and also the fact that they seem to have support it, it kind of doesn't make sense i think to the average person it, 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 that's i think the most important question how has this come about because if you look at australia and new zealand and i know we'll come on to the new zealand thing in a moment but it, it really grew in intensity over that two-week period so it kind of bubbled up from just a bunch of people turning up to shout in Posey Parker's face. And then it got all the way to the, the, I'm sorry to say to your fellow country people, I'm a huge admirer of, I've never been to New Zealand, but I love the people of New Zealand and I'd have people, I know lots of people from New Zealand, but the behavior we saw in that country was despicable. And it's really shocked a lot of people in the UK, but it really grew over those two weeks. And I think in fact, this kind of behavior has been growing for much longer than that. And I think I put a lot of it down to the politics of identity, the way in which we now say to people, look, your identity is the most important thing in the world. Anyone who says anything that you feel is harmful to your identity, in this case, your gender identity, is a bad and dangerous person. Any words or ideas that bruises your self-esteem, bruises your sense of self, that is unacceptable. And, and anyone who does that can be shut down or no platformed or thrown out of the safe space. We've seen these ideas taking force in university campuses, in left-wing circles in particular, in amongst the kind of opinion forming classes, this idea that words are hurtful and that we all have the right to be defended from controversial ideas, that has been gathering pace for some time. And I think what it's done over the past few years, it's given rise to a new generation that is first, on the one hand, hypersensitive to any form of criticism. They really do see words as violence. But then on the other hand, they are themselves violently intolerant. Because if we tell people that words hurt you, that's a short step from telling them you should hurt people who use those words. And so I think the more that we treat speech as violence, the more we encourage people to think that violence is an apt response to speech. And that's where I think we've now arrived. And I think New Zealand, what happened in Auckland was such a good example of that, where having told people for so long that words wound, we can't then be surprised that they want to wound people who utter certain words. And this is the dangerous situation I think a lot of the Western world is now in. Just the Western world? Well, in terms of political correctness, I think, and in terms of identity politics, obviously there are other forms of tyranny around yeah, the world. I mean, we've seen it in Iran over the past six months, also aimed at women and the men who support them, where there have been hundreds of deaths. I mean, very, very serious stuff and people being imprisoned just for fighting against the theocracy and for the right of women to dress as they please and behave as they please. So yeah, there will be Islamist theocracy and authoritarianism in Iran and, um, the control of blasphemy in Pakistan is very, very severe, and people are locked up for speaking their minds in that country too. But that in the West, what's happening is that a new form of supposedly politically correct authoritarianism is taking hold, and it's becoming very menacing now. And I think whether you're on a university campus or in a workplace or in a public setting, people now feel very strongly that there are certain things they can't say. And so we now have an era of self-censorship, which I think is quite dangerous. You open your piece with this line, and it, it's cringy for me as a New Zealander to read this, but I also think it's good that we have this in our face. This is what it must have been like when women were marched to the stake. 
Well, yeah, yeah. That that is what I thought when I saw those that footage. And in fact, today, just a couple of hours ago, I've seen the same incident that where Posey is led through the crowd and away from the crowd. I've seen a new angle on it from higher up. I don't know how it was filmed, but it's even worse than the footage I'd seen before. It was a feral mob. It was a mob of, in my view, misogynists who they threw placards at her. They, Someone dumped uh, tomato soup on her head. They were yeah. dousing her with water. They were screaming words in her face that I wouldn't want to say on a radio show. Um, they were this was a a deranged mob of feral misogynists that is the only way in which it can be described and i'm pretty certain obviously i don't have a time machine but i'm pretty certain that if we went back 500 years to women being taken to the stake to be burnt as witches or hanged as witches uh we may very well have seen a similar uh, a vibe, a similar vibe of mobs of furious people who genuinely believed that those women were heretics and blasphemers and evil and uh, witches of some kind whose ideas or words or behavior were corrupting society. That is what gave rise to the witch trials and the witch hunts of the 1500s and the 1600s. And I'm sure that when women were marched to the stake to be to face that final punishment, we would have seen the kind of behavior that we saw in Auckland. And now, of course, Posey was not executed. She 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 got out of it, although she did fear for her life at one point, and I'm not, in, not remotely surprised to hear that. But that doesn't let those people off the hook. They behaved like a medieval mob, and I think they would, should do some serious self-reflection and ask themselves, how did they arrive at a situation where they were so full of venom and hatred for a small mother and housewife from England whose only crime is to say that a woman is an adult human female. To be that prepared to cross the boundary of, you know, trying to shut down, as you explained, you know, a, a normal kind of woman where only a few years ago it seems to me that that, that would be unthinkable shows how fast this has moved, right? It really does show how fast it's moved. That's right. And that's, a, that's. I think a lot of that is down to not only the fury of the mob who will tolerate no dissent or no criticism of their way of thinking, but also the cowardice of the intellectual classes and the media elites and sections of the political establishment who've watched this happen. This is the, the, the trans ideology in particular as an offshoot of, of the uh, woke ideology more broadly that has been growing for some time. And it's, it's been come, it's, it's been getting more and more intolerant and angry and in some cases violent for quite a few years. Now we've seen it on the streets of the UK, We've seen it in um, parts of the US. Um, we all know what happens to JK Rowling on an almost daily basis. She's, sub she's um, subjected to rape threats and death threats and all sorts of abuse simply because she has put her head above the parapet and said, men are men and women are women. 
we've seen this happen. One question I've asked over the past few years in various things I've written is why no leading politician in the UK has defended JK Rowling. This is, she's a cultural institution in this country. She's yeah. arguably the most important cultural figure of recent times. And there's been very little defense of her. So the, the more that the media establishment and the political establishment has essentially stepped back and given a green light to this mob behavior, the more that inflames the mob. So both the mob itself and the people who've failed to stand up to it in recent years have have questions to answer. Aren't you describing the definition of fascism? I, I mean, I understand it as when government and uh, business or, or the corporate world come together uh, in a kind of lockstep and uh, the two become extensions of each other because we've got uh, big companies here, our airline is one, um, even the police are driving around in rainbow cars where there's been some sort of joining and that's, I don't know, trying to explain the speed of, of things, has given the whole thing a, a lot more power and sort of everyday visibility slash credibility. I don't know if that's the word. That's, correct me if I'm wrong, that's that's fascism, isn't it, as we have known it? Well, I, I, I prefer to call it, well, I don't know what it is. That's okay. I don't like to use the word fascism because then there's always the risk of becoming like the other side who think who think that everyone's yeah. a fascist but more to the point i think it's something new and i think it's something different and i think it's something strange which could spin further out of control if we don't get a handle on it it is a new species of authoritarianism okay. it has totalitarian elements i mean there is a genuine desire to control all aspects of speech and thought. You know, we've had situations here in the UK over the past few years where police officers have visited people's homes uh, because they've tweeted something about the trans issue or they said something about the trans issue. And those police officers have said, we need to correct your thinking. Your thinking is not right on this issue. And therefore, we need to have a discussion with you. That's happened on two or three occasions in, in recent times. That's literal thought policing. That is literally the police wanting to cleanse people's thoughts. So it's a new form of authoritarianism. There's a very strong Orwellian streak, mm. a desire to control language as a means of controlling thought. And there's a lot of that going on at the moment. And I think one of the great things about someone like Posey Parker and lots of the other women and men who are standing up on this issue in particular is that they are bringing to the surface all these authoritarian consequences. They're bringing it into the public view. So po I think the cleverest thing about Posey Parker, the point I made in my spectator piece, She's a new kind of witch because she mm. willingly sub submits herself to the witch trial. She willingly has these public events at, that she knows will draw out these violent misogynists and these uh, trans activists who are very extreme. She knows they will be drawn out and they will come to her and scream in her face. So she submits herself to the witch trial because she wants the rest of us around the world, in this case, to see just how... Uh, unforgiving and intolerant the new witch hunters have become. And so she plays a, a very clever, very intelligent game. And I think it's it. she's playing a really important role in contemporary Western society of bringing to the surface all the tyrannical consequences of the politics of identity. And that's something that she should be thanked for. Yeah, I think you're right. She's outed them. And we've seen reporting, um, as I'm speaking to you now, um, um, around uh, this time, where the uh, 
the counter-protesters through their high-profile members are saying, well, it wasn't our fault, it was the police's fault. So they know that yeah. there's a perception that something's not right, that they're, they're trying to wiggle around. Uh, so that, that's interesting. Yeah, I think with, with the police, I'm really shocked um, by how the police behaved as well, because they just seem to have disappeared um, f- from that park in Auckland, or they certainly weren't doing what you well, might some expect. have said that they 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 weren't there kind of on on purpose to let it maybe kick off or, or have well a i think yeah yeah i think that does need to be investigated i think the question of why they weren't there needs to be investigated because whether it was purposeful or just they weren't very well organized whichever one it was it acted as a green light for the mob because they knew they had free reign in that moment. And if it wasn't for some of the stewards who were around Posey Parker, which included both male stewards and very brave female stewards who were being abused and shouted at, who protected Posey Parker from the mob, if it wasn't for them, Mm. I think something really, really, really bad could have happened because there are moments in that footage from Auckland where... Uh, the the faces in the mob are twisted into masks of just feral hatred. It's it's extraordinary. I've not actually seen anything that bad on the trans issue so far. I think this is the worst that we've seen. There was just this, it's like um, in George Orwell's 1984, when they have a two minutes hate. And he describes this two minutes hate where the officialdom whips up the party members into this violent, venomous hatred of an enemy. It was like that. And Orwell says that hatred spreads through the mob like a current. They, their faces uh, twist. They become like lunatics. They want to smash people's faces in with a sledgehammer. He describes very well how ordinary people can go quite quickly from being normal to being a mob. And that is what we saw in Auckland. We saw a hateful mob. And it's interesting that if you look at some what some of the people are saying, some of the trans activists and their allies, they're saying, oh, actually, it was a wonderful gathering and we were yes. all being kind and expressing love and defending diversity. That just shows how far out of touch with reality they have become. Because this was actually, in my view, an expression of violent intolerance against women who merely wanted to express their beliefs. And that kind of behavior, I think, has no place in a civilized society. Well, they've already suspended their their belief or uh, observation of biological fact. So once you've done that, it's (laughs) arguable that you can can let it rip. You can go anywhere, can't you? Yeah, well, that's right. I think um, Tulsi Gabbard actually made the, the, the former... Democratic senator in the US, she actually made this point very recently where she said, there are two problems with trans extremism. The first is that it demeans women and it says anyone can be a woman just by clicking your fingers, you can become a woman, which she says is a sexist idea. But she said the other problem is that if you reject the objective reality of sex, that there are men and there are women and it's observable and measurable and we've we known about it for, for, for millennia, she says, if you would reject that objective truth, then you reject objective truth itself. And mm. and, and and then everything's fair game. If you don't even think that sex is real and that people can kind of move between sexes uh, as they please, then there's no truth that you will accept. There's no objective reality that you will accept. So I think that's right. And in that sense, you're, you're right. It's not surprising that they even though people around the world are watching actual video footage of a, of a bunch of violent blokes breaking down metal barriers and screaming their heads off, 
and saying the C word in the face of these women. And in one case, uh, an older woman was punched in the face as yes, well. In a wheelchair. In a wheelchair, right? So we're seeing all of this with our own eyes, but they have they are so dislocated from truth and reality and reason that they can sit there on their computers and tweet, actually, it was a loving expression of pro-trans diversity, blah, 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 blah. It's just this double speak, but it's not even double speak that comes from a conscious desire to warp the narrative. It's double speak that comes from their inability to understand truth and reality, even the truth and reality about themselves, which is that they are pretty nasty, intolerant, misogynistic people. Gosh, didn't Orwell get a bang on? <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> Absolutely, he did. I, I, I mean, I, I get criticised quite a lot here in Britain for um, referring to 1984 um, too often, and I probably do, but it is a brilliant uh, description of, obviously, Orwell. Uh, I think some people sometimes forget that Orwell's criticisms in 1984 were pretty much of Soviet tyranny. He yep. was a man of the left, but he loathed lefty Soviet authoritarianism. Uh, but it also describes pretty well what we've got going on today. You know, that kind of policing of language, the policing of uh, language in order to change how people think, the use of hatred to whip up uh, mob-like behavior to control dissent, to push dissent back, to to demonize people who dare to speak out of turn. We're seeing all of that. I mean, Auckland in that in those furious few minutes or half an hour or however long the whole thing lasted, it was like a microcosm of the tyrannical nightmare that George Orwell envisioned in 1984. And it was right there in that park in Auckland. And I think people should carry on talking about what happened there because it is incredibly important. And I remember watching, um, there's a piece on YouTube of Orwell, one of his last interviews, and he's lying in a bed. He doesn't look very, very fit or healthy. He can't have been too long before he died. And I think the uh, interviewer asked him, well, you know, how, how do you fix, you know, like a 1984 situation or whatever the question was? And he looks at the camera and says, it's up to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, at, at the moment, some of us, uh, some people out there are not making a very good job of it. That's the big concern. I mm. think, yeah, I think my view in terms of what we do about this, because that is in some ways the million dollar question, and it's very difficult to know what to do. Firstly, I've heard a lot of people here in the UK and also in Ireland, because Posey Parker is going to Ireland uh, uh, next, next month, month to have to another have one of these events. And I've heard lots of people saying, right, I'm going to these events in the future to protect the women who want to express themselves. So well, that's one consequence of what we saw in New Zealand. Lots of people are committing themselves to putting a bit of a barrier of support around Posey Parker and the other women so that they can't be attacked in the same way. Um, but also the other important thing, and it sounds hackneyed, but it's true, is just the importance of defending freedom of speech in all situations. The right of women to stand, stand in, a in a public place, place and to say biological sex is real, men are men, women are women, and one cannot become the other. If we can't stand in a public space and say that, then we really are lost. I think the other thing that will happen in relation to New Zealand is that some campaign groups here in the UK, including the Free Speech Union, which is a very influential body that defends people's freedom of speech, 
they've now put pressure on Rishi Sunak, our, our Prime Minister, to make representations to the New Zealand High Commission and to ask the New Zealand High Commission why a British citizen was denied her democratic rights in New Zealand and was treated so shockingly badly by a, a mob in a public place. And it will be very interesting to see if the New Zealand High Commission responds to that or, or what government officials there might say uh, about this pretty shocking incident. Yeah, how would that work the other way around? I mean, if, if, if you know, uh, one of our people had the same treatment in the UK, because it seems to me no, where to, no matter where you look, this is a problem. Yeah. Uh, will there be the courage, the fortitude, uh, Sunak, to receive those communications and, and to pass them on and be insistent about, you know, you, when our citizens go to your country, hey, you know, yeah, make sure the mob doesn't kill them. Or try to yeah. kill them. Would, would it work <laughs> yeah, the other way around? Do you think, or is it the, kind of the same landscape everywhere you look? Um, I would hope so. I would hope that if someone from New Zealand were to come to the UK, we have lots of people from New Zealand in, in the UK, of yeah. course, um, that they would be free to express themselves and to engage in all the rights that we enjoy. Obviously, the right to vote is slightly different. You have to live in a country for a particular amount of yeah, time. Yeah, but this is a specific. But, this is a specific category in a way, isn't it? Yeah, because it's this so is, out it, there. It's very specific and it's very much about being able to express yourself in a civil way in a public place. And everyone should enjoy that right. A British person in New Zealand, a New Zealander in the UK. And I would hope that if someone from New Zealand was treated in Britain in the same way that Posey Parker was treated in New Zealand, I would hope that our government would say it was wrong and that the New Zealand government would make a statement about that as well. But the thing is, I think... Um, it's it's very interesting to me that so many people in the political class either don't want to touch this issue with a barge pole or they've gone full all the way down the trans road to the point of leaving all the realm of reason behind them. So we had Nicola Sturgeon, the first minister of Scotland, who put a, a male rapist who raped two women a person who goes by the name of isla bryson he claims to be a woman obviously he's a bloke he was put into a woman's prison after being found guilty of a double rape and he was eventually moved to a male prison because there was so much uproar from women's rights groups but there's a similar situation in ireland right now there's a there's a person in ireland who goes by the name barbie kardashian He's a man. He identifies as a woman. He was sentenced last week to five and a half years in prison for threatening to murder his own mother. And he's been put in a woman's prison in Limerick. And so there's a huge fuss in Ireland now. And, and the Irish Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, is under enormous pressure to get this man out of that prison where he poses a significant danger to the women there. So the way in which political elites are unwilling to say, look, science is real, Biology exists. Women should have the right to express themselves. Men should never go into a woman's prison or a woman's domestic violence shelter or any other space th which through their freedom of association, women have decided to set up. The fact that politicians can't say that because they're so worried about what the politically correct lobby will say in response, that's a really worrying thing. And we do need some braver politicians willing to state the truth. Next, we'll hear the earth is flat. Oh, wait on, that's already taken, right? <laughs> yeah. um, the, here, I'm reading from your piece again, because I want to get on to how this looks now. 
The events in Auckland should be a wake-up call for liberals everywhere. We glimpse the iron fist of authoritarianism that lurks in the velvet glove of, and I think we resp- were responsible for making this, uh, these two words kind of famous, be kind. Yeah. So, um, you know, we market ourselves as, you know, um, uh, an idyllic country, bottom of the world, um, a place to get away from, you know, all the hustle and bustle, uh, come and hang out, beautiful scenery, lovely people, um, you know, right on history in terms of human rights, all that sort of stuff, supporting uh, great causes through the years. And now we have this, and I've seen some of the, uh, I've only had a quick look, some of what's been said about New Zealand. There's calls for, you know, um, uh, boycotting tourism and, and Kiwi products, which, you know, none of us want. How bad of a look is this, do you think? I think it's a really bad look. And I think it's it, 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 you, you're really right to point to that contradiction, where on the one hand, New Zealand is seen as this very right-on, open country, uh, famously gave women the vote um, at a certain period and, and was uh, generally seen as very fair and free. And people think of Jacinda Ardern as this wonderful... Uh, beacon of liberal, happy, nice politics. That's not my view, by the way, but that certainly is how people around the world, liberals around the world, view New Zealand and and your uh, former prime minister. Um, but I think as a consequence of what we saw in Auckland, things are changing enormously and the perception of New Zealand is changing with a great amount of speed and ferocity. And I've seen it myself here in London, in the media, in some of the on social media discussions, comments that friends of mine have made. They're saying, what the hell has happened to New Zealand? How is it possible that a woman could be treated so badly in a country that we thought was fair and free and nice and, and so on? So I think it's going to reflect very badly on New Zealand. And that's one of the reasons, I think, that there does need to be a serious discussion about what's going on there. I thought that some of the me- some of the newspaper response to what happened was just extraordinary. And there was a, a cartoon in, I think it was of the New Zealand Herald, maybe, um, by one of your famous cartoonists, whose name now escapes me. But it was, uh, the cartoon showed Posey Parker with a megaphone and this huge male hand, you could tell it's a male hand because they had her hairy knuckles, bearing down on her, pointing at her, saying your turf propaganda is not welcome here. And Posey Parker and other people have been sharing this image saying, I don't think this cartoonist realizes that this tells us exactly what what these people think of women's rights. The cartoonist's name is Emerson. Probably you'll know. Yeah, Yeah. right. So I've just said, I've just brought it up on my phone. His name's Emerson and it's, it's an openly sexist cartoon, a big bloke's hand pointing down on a small woman and saying, basically, don't speak. But they're so unaware of, of the problem that they have created and and how bad it looks to both to many people in New Zealand and to the world outside that they don't even notice what they're doing. So a lot of people are now looking at New Zealand and thinking, what's gone wrong and how might it be put right? That And Brendan, that is the chilling thing that I think people are experiencing right now. You've just laid it out uh, using that cartoon as an example. Um, the the awareness the the awareness just isn't there, and th- that that leads to a feeling of desperation of 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 trying to even just push back or turn it around. You know, it's it, yeah, it, it feels quite desperate potentially. It it does, and people can get despondent, I think, and or depressed. 
so th that's one of the reasons I think there's a positive message to take from what happened in New Zealand as well, which is number one, there are people like Posey Parker and the women who turned up to support yeah, her, um, you know, lots of New Zealand women, well, some New Zealand women turned up to support Posey Parker. They got a load of flack. They were under threat. They were at risk, um, but they still stood up for what they believe. That's great. Also, the other thing that's good is that this has opened, this incident has opened a lot of people's eyes to the problem of trans extremism, politically correct intolerance, the new culture of censorship and the new culture of violent censorship, the kind of things that J.K. Rowling and many, many other people have been trying to draw attention to for the past two or three years has now been graphically illustrated for the world to see. And I know for a fact this is having a, an impact on how people perceive not only New Zealand, but this new political climate, this intolerant political climate. I've had an extraordinary response to that piece I wrote for The Spectator. Mm. I've had so many messages, more than I have for any article I've written I've for written a long for time, where people are saying, I didn't know it was this bad. I can't believe what's happening. Uh, or I'm really glad you said this, whatever it might be. There are, I just get a very strong sense that there is a growing feeling of palpable discomfort with where politics is going and where wokeness is going in particular. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, the trans activists and their allies in that park in Auckland, they might have actually converted many, many people to the cause of reason and to the cause of freedom, which certainly wasn't their intention, but I think it's going to backfire on them in the long term. And now they have a tiger by the tail, right? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. And I think it's it, it, I, the way I see it panning out in the short term is yep. that there will be yep. a lot of people saying, well, Posey Parker, who gives a damn? She's a fascist. Get out of our country. She's a turf. She's a bigger. That's what's going to happen in the short term. And that is happening. People are saying that. Um, but behind the scenes and in the medium and the longer term, People are thinking this is completely unacceptable in a democratic society. You cannot have a situation where someone feels that her life is at risk because she wanted to stand on a platform in a public place and say women, a woman is an adult human female. Lots and lots more people are now saying it is intolerable for that kind of a situation to arise where a woman is treated as a modern day witch and subjected to vile abuse and a placard thrown in her face and water thrown on her head and expletive spat in her face because she wanted to express something that the vast majority of us know to be true. And the more people realize that, the more I think we will win over to our side of, of um, freedom and reason, greater numbers of people. And I hope that's happening in New Zealand as well. And I hope people find a platform on which they can say, look, we've had enough of this. We want to get back to some kind of normality. Here's the thing to to wrap up. Um, you know, watching the footage, you've described some of the footage you've seen. I've seen footage and uh, that sort of bang mob and and the twisted, contorted faces and and all those things. And we've substantially talked about men here. But hey, there were women yeah. in those mob crowds who were just as angry and chanting cult-like. So yeah. this is not just men. No, you're absolutely right to raise that. And I think um, 
I mean, some of the most some of the most shocking footage did involve blokes. And when I saw those blokes kicking down the metal barriers, I just thought to myself, myself, you know, if they get to Posey Parker, there's going to be big trouble. Um, And uh, when she's been drawn away from the crowd, I saw I saw these huge blokes really screaming right in her face. So uh, the scariest stuff came from blokes. Blokes tend to be stronger than women. And that's that's always going to be a worry in those kinds of situations. But you're absolutely right. There were lots. And then there were men who think they're women, and in my view, they are not, but they were there as well. Uh, but yeah, you're right. There were women there, actual women. Uh, lots of young women in particular seem to be drawn towards the trans issue. I think that's very interesting and very concerning. And one of the things that's most striking about Britain, Britain is often referred to as turf island because for some reason we have a higher number of turfs, that is, women who don't accept the idea of transgenderism. We have a higher number of TERFs than America and New Zealand and Australia. So we're called TERF Island. And what's interesting here is the generational difference. So a lot of young feminists and young activists, women in their 20s and 30s, are have gone hook, line and sinker for the trans ideology. And they follow around these blokes in dresses and basically hold on to their every word. But then older feminists from the second wave in the 60s who are now getting on a bit or the third wave in the 80s feminists who have a better understanding of material reality and biology and sex and inequality by the way i have many disagreements with those feminists as well on political matters Mm. but what they do understand is that sex is real and that men are men and women are women and that there are some differences between the sexes they understand those basics so those older women are leading the fight back against the trans ideology. So I think that generational difference is really interesting and really important. And what it suggests is that the younger generation has been inculcated through the school system, through the university system, and through popular culture and through social media and through TikTok. They have been inculcated with new, eccentric, unreasonable ideologies to do with changing sex, for example, and with a culture of intolerance, and with the idea that their self-esteem and their identity is so important that it is acceptable to violently shut down any person who says something that might offend them. So they've grown up in that culture, and, and it's turned them into little little Stalinists, essentially, whereas the older generation have some memory of the idea of freedom of speech or the idea of freedom of protest or the idea of sexual equality. So the fact that the older generation are leading the fight back is interesting and good because someone's got to do it. Yeah, and it reminded me of, you know, Mao's China and the, mm. the kind of young people engaging in, in yeah. that hysteria. It, it had a, a sort of echo of that to me. Anyway, Hey, Brendan O'Neill, Spike Chief Political Writer, thanks so much for joining us and giving us your thoughts. And I'm sure you'll be watching this one to see where it goes. Yeah, I will do. Thanks for having me. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.